0: She's one of your really good friends, but you recently feel like your relationship with her hasn't been as deep. Historically, you two have been close, and now, well, you just can't seem to put your finger on why you feel like it's become a bit superficial, and you find that you have a growing desire to feel a bit more connected to her than you do right now. So why isn't this friendship feeling as deep as it used to? While there are certainly 100 different reasons it could be, let's be honest, today I'm outlining five common reasons for why your old and new friendships may lack the depth and meaning that you're looking for. As always, stay tuned to the end of the episode to get your weekly homework so you can take action if this particular situation applies to you. And then join us over at betterfemalefriendships.com to get on our email list, which we call our coaching corner newsletter, where we share weekly strategies and research insights to get you one step closer toward creating the kind of friendships you've been looking for. So while you type the website into your browser, let's have a little dance party, shall we? This is Friend Forward, the podcast. And if you're having girl problems, we got you. I'm Danielle Byer-Jackson, a certified friendship coach, and I am here to help you through it. One reason that many of us might feel like our friendships lack depth is that we have an ongoing fear of being exposed, which leads to keeping our guard up. So I recently had a session with a a very beautiful woman, a new mom who has moved to a new upscale neighborhood. So she brought me in because in an effort to make new friends, she was finding that it was hard to feel connected to any of them. Now we talked about how she, you know, needs to understand that depth and closeness take time, but still with the effort she had made so far, she still didn't feel like it was even possible. And so, you know, first of all, thank goodness our coaching sessions are longer than most, um, clocking in at 75 minutes, right? Because it gave us the time we needed in our conversation to realize the root of the issue. Katie, we'll call her, was actually nervous about being exposed, She'd become insecure about uh, a myriad of things. Her, her body changes after kids, something many moms face, trust me. Uh, she wasn't sure if the other women would think her home was as nice as their home. She wasn't the fun party girl she used to be and therefore had this deep-seated belief that other people won't find her interesting anymore because of how greatly her lifestyles change. And it's like, oh, it made so much sense. That has a subconscious role in how we show up when we do have interactions with new connections. Because opening up to people in a safe, gradual, and appropriate way, of course, helps to foster the depth and understanding that we're looking for. But then we fear that if they see the real side of us, which should be the goal, but if we believe that our real side is somehow inadequate or unappealing, then we're either consciously or subconsciously keeping our guard up. We're keeping that conversation shallow and safe and keeping that person at arm's length. The fear of being judged is keeping many of us from the very connection we're looking for and Yes, I know that's so much easier said than done, but I want you to think about some superficial friendships you have and just explore the possibility. It might not apply to you, but explore the possibilities of the insecurities that you may personally have about who you are, what you offer. Um, um, It can be seemingly silly things like your home or how you dress or your car or whatever that has you feeling judged. And how there might be a direct correlation to how much you open up to people for fear of them discovering these these self-defined inadequacies. Okay? Opening up is a risk. Yes. But it is equally a risk of rejection and a chance at finding somebody who gets you, who appreciates you. Both of those options lie on the other side of opening up. The second reason Why many of us feel like we're lacking depth in our friendship is because we're judgmental. Now, this is where you gasp and think to yourself, wow, Danielle, the audacity. (laughs) I know. But hear me out. Closeness is usually founded upon some kind of mutual reciprocal giving and receiving. Right. So let's make that clear up front. Too many of us are dreaming up this situation where we're friends with somebody who listens to us and understands us and never judges us, but we are less often picturing in that fantasy the mutual reciprocal part of the situation. We must also listen to her and suspend judgment and create an environment where she feels she can share without her character being questioned. I I, I can't say too much here. Because I have so much I want to say, but I'm including an entire really meaty chapter on judgmental friends in my upcoming book, tentatively titled Fighting for Our Friendships, which will be hopefully in a bookstore near you in 2024. But until then, know this, there are sometimes things that we do unknowingly that make people retreat back into themselves. And then their lack of sharing perpetuates that feeling that you don't know her well, that you don't know each other. And so, you know, sometimes we walk away knowing very confidently, of course, what we, uh, what we feel, I, I don't feel close to her and it's because of all these reasons, but is it possible that you are experiencing a lack of depth in the friendship because maybe you have unintentionally created an environment where she doesn't feel compelled to share and therefore you feel like you don't know the person you're really talking to very well. We just, it's, it's fair to sometimes take a second to examine the ways in which we contributed to the situation we find ourselves in. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So this could be, you know, this could include variations of statements like, "What? I can't believe you like X, Y, Z, or wow, I just, I can never do something like that. You know, statements like that, or commenting negatively on something vulnerable that she shared or that she did that you didn't even realize was vulnerable for her right? Because vulnerability itself is relative. And if, if that makes you curious, and you're like, "Ooh, interesting, you have to go back and find our episode titled How to Spot Fake Vulnerability with the incredible Dr. Marissa G. Franco, you will not regret it. So just ask yourself if you have a tendency to make, you know, criticisms or commentary or, or positions that you have to make them known all the time often. And consider the ways in which that might possibly discourage others from feeling that they can share with you, which yes, could result in that disconnection you're feeling right now. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to come off like I have figured it out. Um, It's something that we have to stay on top of every day. So I recently met up with a friend, I don't know if she's listening, and she's going to know who I'm talking about. But we're, we're, we're mom friends. And I think she is cool and stylish and like edgy and smart, and all these things she mentioned that she listens to this podcast that I personally think is so raunchy and so ridiculous. But she just mentioned casual that she listened to it and she went on to make another point. But before she even made the next point, I kind of made a face. And I'm cringing now thinking about it because in the moment I just... I just oh, you can hear me cringing now. Right. I want to share sometimes like when when we all get it wrong, we're just like, dang, I slipped in that moment. And she shared that she watches it or excuse me, listens to it. And I I was like, oh, my God, really, really? And I said it playfully. I wasn't like, oh, my God, are you serious? But I, I said it playfully. I was like, girl, you I don't know. I guess I'm just surprised that show is just so And then she kind of scrambled and was like, oh yeah, no, just some episodes. I just listened to some episodes. You know, she was cleaning it up and looks like she had to justify herself listening and enjoying this podcast. And it just was so unnecessary for me to make that comment. It was unnecessary for me to make her feel like she had to explain why she'd be interested in something like that. And I wonder now how that might contribute to ways in which she filters herself moving forward. And I'm hoping that I didn't... um, incite like any kind of shame around that right like you're owning it proudly and then someone says wow you listen to that and so we have to make sure we're constantly being aware of of am I creating a space where this person feels safe to share it as well and sometimes it can be a slip up as as innocent as mine but it doesn't mean that it didn't have an impact and I feel it's my responsibility to go and clean that up to explain myself and there might be some residual damage or whatever but to to make an effort now to show her that it is totally safe here and I totally should not have made you feel like it, it was a choice that I disapprove of, you know? Oh God. I have homework to do. Come, if you're not following me on Instagram, at Daniel Byer Jackson, come follow because after I apologize, I'll tell you how it went in my stories, okay? (laughs) Okay, all right, the the third reason why you might be feeling like your friendship lacks meaningful depth is because you don't invest any time. You meaning you all, you two together, right? Recently, we surveyed 400 women. We asked them if they've ever felt lonely despite having friends and 98% of them said yes. And so when we dove deeper into why, the number one reason was that they don't spend enough time with their friends and so that's why many of us don't feel close to our friends for those of you who are members in our group coaching program friendship elevated you know what's up because that information is in module three we've talked about in our group calls but for for the woman listening right now i want you to know this it is possible that the fix for those feelings of superficiality is a simple fix which is good news it's simply that you're not spending enough time with the people you like and care for uh, I recently spoke with Madison Romney, who is a fellow friendship enthusiast and the founder of flourishing friend and if you 're not following her on Instagram, you should be a lot of fun information, good information at flourishing friend. She shared some insights about how essential investing time is in making and keeping friends, and so I want to play a clip from our interview here and give you something to just digest for a moment and so um can you tell me a little bit about um the the most interesting research to you or the most interesting uh, findings that you
1: have had um, once you began to dig in? Yes, of course. I think for me to touch on the research that already existed was as it relates to investing and prioritizing time in friendship. I think a lot of times us as individuals, especially now in our digital age say, oh, we don't have enough time. I I can't invest time because I'm doing all these other things. The research shows that we spend only 38 minutes a day socializing, and we spent 2.8 hours a day watching TV. So we have the time, we're just not investing it into those relationships that we so desperately and deeply crave. And so um, some of the research shows some of the seminal research on how long it takes to build a thriving friendship um, was very interesting to me. So a casual friendship is about 30 hours. Um, A good friendship is about 50 hours. An even better friendship is 140 hours. And what we call A best friendship, although I don't always subscribe to the idea of a best friendship and maybe an intimate friendship or a very close friendship is 300 hours. And that was astounding to me just thinking about the time that I invested my own friendships, but that's really like the root of creating thriving relationships with other people in our lives is investing time. Because what it tells when I invest time with Danielle, it tells Danielle that one, I care about her, that I value her as a person and that I'm willing to put in the time that it takes to be committed to the relationship with her.
0: Time is like the glue that time and investment is the glue that keeps us together. And so when that, when it comes to tangibly achieving that, so let's say, you know, a woman's listening and she's like, okay, I get it. I got to step up my game. What are some ways that she can, Um,
1: actually execute that? Sure, sure. So in my research, there were kind of two groups in terms of how to maximize the time. There were maintenance strategies. And when I say maintenance, it sounds a little boring, but what I mean is just preserving the relationship, keeping it alive. If you think about a plant, you're watering it daily, it's consistent, you're keeping it alive. And so one of the main themes that emerged from the research was this consistent communication. And as I mentioned, it's consistent. So communication tells the person that we care about them that we love them, that we're really t- willing to invest in the relationship, but it's a consistency that's important. So we may have an expectation, an unspoken expectation that we talk every day. That could be consistent. Maybe it's monthly. Maybe we get on the phone the first Saturday of every month and we talk. Maybe it's yearly. Maybe we've already put in the 300 hours in high school or in college or at work and we just need to talk to each other once a year and we still feel connected and feel like that's a meaningful relationship whatever consistency looks like there was no set rule in the research it's just that there's that shared expectation of when we talk and that we stick to it and that it's reciprocal so
0: time is important and spending meaningful time together will possibly help you to feel like you have more depth and connection. And so that takes us to reason number four, because when you do reach out to make time to spend with your friends, my question to you becomes, what does your outreach look like? The way we interact is not impactful. The way that we reach out is not impactful. So my group coaching members are familiar with these, but there's research while a little dated now, in my opinion, but trustworthy nonetheless, that shows that there's a connection between how we communicate and how bonded we feel. So if we look at this as like a scale of sorts, texting would be on the low end since it just encompasses black and white script that we send to each other, right? And having an in-person interaction would be far on the other end. So in between those two would be things like voice notes, which include more personalization than text right but it's not a conversation developing in real time and then there are phone calls so now I can hear your voice and we are talking in real time and then video chats because I can see your face hear your voice and it's in real time and then finally you know speaking in person so as you could imagine the closer you get to the in-person side of the scale the more bonded you will feel so I wonder if you're if you're thinking why don't I feel closer to my friends, or I feel like you know I wish I could show up more as myself and my friendships we had a deeper connection I'm going to encourage you to check in with how you typically sustain that friendship and then consider upgrading your mode of communication by one or two degrees at least and see if you notice the difference something to consider and finally one reason I'd like to offer and there are hundreds of reasons right of why your particular friendship with somebody lacks depth there are hundreds but but the fifth reason and final reason we're sharing here is that you all are simply in different life seasons so it's natural that if you and a friend find yourselves in different life seasons you begin to feel a bit more distant than usual that's because your interests have changed which by extension sometimes changes the content and or frequency of your conversations, you're finding it difficult to relate to her. And it was just so much more simple back in the day, right? And so this is the kind of thing that might have you feeling misunderstood, feeling unseen, feeling like you don't know her anymore, and maybe even a little alone within that relationship. So for too many women, they see that shift as a death sentence. Oh, I guess our friendships run its course or man it looks like we're turning into different people or I just can't relate to her anymore and you know in this upcoming um book that I'm writing fighting for our friendships we'll talk about you know the most common negative thinking patterns that are so freaking sneaky and how they impact uh, how we show up in our friendships and we don't even know I mean so freaking sneaky it's gonna blow your mind I promise uh but we have a responsibility in that moment of noticing, gosh, we just seem so different. I feel like I don't know her anymore. There shouldn't be a period on that, okay? There should be an ellipsis or a, um, a, a semicolon, right? Meaning the sentence continues on because that just means that if I determine that this friendship is a worthy investment, my responsibility here is to begin to experiment intentionally. What worked with her then, before this life season, simply may not work now, but give y'all a, give yourselves a little grace you haven't had practice being friends in this now unfamiliar terrain so you have to work to get a groove going if you find that you and a friend are on different pages i encourage you to explore the ways in which you can stay connected in these new environments in a new way now that priorities have changed instead of leaning into the lie that this is how things will always be now and it's not like it used to so i guess we're done So yes, new life seasons, different life stages will have you feeling disconnected or that your connection is not as deep, but that is not the end of the friendship. It means, okay, what does our friendship look like now? How can we still stay connected? How can I find ways to relate to what she's going through? And then you'll find that depth is on the other end of that, okay? But it can't exist if I keep telling myself that I don't relate to this person. It's almost like I'm creating this, this blockage for any depth to be created. now. As your new official friendship coach, here's your homework. Listen closely. I want you to think of just one person, one friend that you have who you like well enough. But when you really reflect, you think to yourself, man, our friendship's not as deep as it could be. And I want you to go through this checklist and see which of these resonates, if any, which of these five possible reasons resonates and come up with an actionable, tangible step of what you can do to kind of rectify that. So if your issue is that, you know, oh, our outreach isn't impactful, like all we do is text your responsibility, or I guess I should say challenge, but I'm going to push you your responsibility to make that deeper is to upgrade what the outreach mode looks like, because that's something tangible and quick that you can do and explore a new arena. Okay. If you find that you need additional support in this, come visit us at betterfemalefriendships.com to book a coaching session. Um, the the My calendar has exploded since I announced that I'm going on maternity leave soon. So I guess everyone who was on the fence about coaching was like, you know what, let me go ahead <laughs> and get on that schedule. So I'm so happy to see that. Um, and then you also have the option of joining our eight-week group coaching program. And I'd love to see you over there as well. That includes weekly video modules and group coaching sessions with me. And I'd love to see you over there and treat you like a VIP. Okay. And so until then, you know that I am here rooting for you always on your ongoing journey toward better female friendships. Until next time.